Who am I? You sure you want to know? The story of my life is not for the faint of heart. If somebody said it was a happy little tale, somebody lied. I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. Who am I? I'm Spider-Man. Welcome to Now Playing's Amazing Spider-Man Retrospective Series. Can Spider-Man come out to play? Part of the Now Playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. The real crime would be not to finish what we started. Hosted by Stuart. This is about me wanting to live without you, whining in my ear all the time. Arnie. All I ever wanted in this world is Carney. And Jacob. Enjoy the show! Ooh, my spider sense is tingling. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but if your spider sense is tingling, it's because this podcast will have detailed plot spoilers and mild language. So listener discretion is advised. We're gonna have a hell of a time. Today, we're discussing Venom, Let There Be Carnage, starring Tom Hardy, Michelle Williams, Nomi Harris, Reed Scott, Stephen Graham, and Woody Harrelson, directed by Andy Serkis. This is Arnie, now playing's lethal podcaster. And we are Stuart. And this is the host that can't live on chicken and chocolate alone, Jacob. And thank you for joining us here at Now Playing. We've got a lot of show news we're just going to put here up at the top. First of all, if you've downloaded this from our website, and I know most of you get it through your podcatcher software, but if you did get this through our website, you got it through a brand new website. And that was 100% thanks to our listeners and our donors. Yeah, it looks great. Why the upgrade? What can I do now when I go to the site? Well, first of all, shows can be in multiple series, so you can just find all the Marvel Comics movies in one place, and we don't have to have these strange Marvel Misfits DC Hitmen what is in that series again kind of questions, although those are there too. And you can see all the Stephen King movies in one place instead of just having to be like, oh, here's the Shining retrospective series, and here's the Carrie retrospective series. All the video game movies in one place instead of, why did they do a one-off review of Need for Speed? <laughs> but what if I want just the Uva Bowl series? <laughs> it actually sorts by director. There you go. Great. So you can go in and you can click on the director of a movie or the main stars of a movie and get an entire list of the movies we've reviewed by that director or with those stars. So if you want to listen to every Uva Bowl review, just find an Uva Bowl review, click on Uva's name. There's the whole list for you. This site does a lot of cool stuff that I've been dreaming of since 2015. And also, we are in more places, not just our website, but we listen to our listeners. We try to take their feedback into account. And when our listeners in mass said, Podbean sucks. So now, now playing is wherever you want to be if you want to hear our patron episodes. If you want to hear the reviews of Real Genius or Hook or The Nightmare Before Christmas, we've done about 60 patron-exclusive shows and we add a new one each month. Well, 
We are now available through subscription on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, and we've even gone over to Patreon and mirrored our Podbean offerings at Patreon. Apple and Spotify, they only offer one tier, so they have the $10 donation tier, and you're going to get all of those patron-exclusive shows and at least one new show each month for patrons. If you were of one of the higher tiers where you were getting the gold level shows and the platinum level shows or even listening to the live podcasts like we're doing Halloween Kills live for our patrons, you can do that now at Patreon as well as Podbean. And with Patreon, no special apps needed, no usernames needed, no passwords needed. Just use whatever podcast software you like and Patreon works with it. So you can find out all the details by heading to our new website. And just before we start talking Venom, I do want to give shout outs to our listeners because this new website wouldn't have happened without the help of some listeners who put in, you know, we've reviewed 1200 movies just about. That's a lot of data to enter. That is. And it had to be entered by hand into the new site. So... Thanks to James Lindorf, Bob Holt, John Gear, Michelle Clark, Russ Abrams, Tommy Woodward, Nathan Savigny, Sarah Faulkner, Brian White, Nigel Fitty, Steve Smart, and Carl Rhyme. Thank you all. We wouldn't have this new site without you. And you guys worked in symbiosis with me to get that site out. Thank you so much. Terrific. Now, let there be carnage. I have one reference for carnage, and it is not a good one. (laughs) Arnie, what, about a decade ago, you, I, and Marjorie went to Broadway and saw Turn Off the Dark, the Spider-Man musical? Carnage was like, (laughs) he was like the red scrappy dude. Is he the villain of the play? (laughs) No, they have this whole part where the geek chorus... Get it? Because it's like a Greek chorus. (laughs) Only they're wearing glasses and look like they were rejects from Big Bang Theory. But the geek chorus decides they're going to hold an ugly pageant. Because there's so many beauty pageants, we need one for ugly villains. And Carnage was probably the ugliest. It was like a little Scrappy-Doo version of Venom. Like, it's he was like a midget or something like that. And he comes out and, I'm Carnage, I'm Carnage. I mean, you were mad, Arnie. You were laughing at him. Yeah, I mean, Swiss Miss was as bad as it got in that ugly pageant. (laughs) That was created for Turn Off the Dark. And despite how many multiverses the Marvel Cinematic Universe goes into, I don't think they're ever opening the door for Swiss Miss. I want it. I want it in this movie. (laughs) But yes, Carnage, I assume, is not a musical theater star. What is Carnage? Carnage is Arnie's... 1992 beloved character. Yeah, because Venom, like, he started off as a bad guy, but then he's too cool. We got to make him an anti-hero. Ah. So we can sell comic books with Venom on the cover. So we need a new symbiote bad guy, and that is Carnage. He's extreme. Basically, Cletus was Marvel's version of the Joker. Like, imagine the Joker, like, taking the paint off his face in the way that he looks in those comic books. That's what Cletus looked like in the comics. Like, we'll make a psycho killer that's like the Joker, but then he's also going to be Venom in red and even more lethal. Yes, this was a way to give Venom a bad guy to fight because Venom became too cool to keep bad. Agreed, but... I don't know if this was by intent, but they made Carnage so bad. Oh, they wanted to make it. Yeah, he was literally based off the Joker. Like, they're like, what if Joker was Venom? 
But Joker has never been, in anything I've read or seen, as casually murderous as Cletus Cassidy. No, he has been in the comics. Go read that Frank Miller all-star Batman and Robin the Boy Wonder, where he has a Yakuza tattoo and he's raping women and killing them with a Yakuza sword. It's stupid and great at the same time. But <laughs> that sounds like Frank Miller. Yeah, I know. Late stage Frank Miller too, which is the craziest Frank Miller. But no, the Joker has had murderous kill streaks. Like, yes, he kills people. Carnage just... There was no way you were ever going to be able to turn Carnage into an anti-hero the way you did Venom. Venom had a hard-on for Spider-Man and wanted to eat Spider-Man's brains. It was very personal, but he had his own weird code of morality. He wasn't trying to kill other people, whereas Carnage, he killed for fun. He was a complete psychopath. I mean, Carnage came out before Natural Born Killers, but if you ask me... Mickey from Natural Born Killers could have been based off of Cletus Cassidy <laughs> from the comics. So getting Woody Harrelson, who played Mickey from Natural Born Killers, to play Carnage feels like a snake eating its own tail of perfection. Yeah, I think he's just doing the same role here. I wish he was. I wish he was more Mickey. I mean, having watched Natural Born Killers dozens of times, I wish he was more Mickey here than he is. But no, that's... Carnage, and he used his symbiote suit in totally different ways. He could throw spikes out of it, and he could... Yeah, lots of tendrils coming out of him. That was my memory from the drawings and the comics. Just, like, lots of things coming out of him. He used it a lot for piercing. Like, he'd have an axe hand or a sword hand, and he would just stab and stab and stab. I don't feel we got a lot of that in this movie. When I think of Carnage, I think of an axe hand. But if you can't tell... I'm a fan. I loved Venom when I started reading comics in 1990. He, I had every time Venom showed up, I got excited. And then Carnage even more so. The Maximum Carnage game, the Maximum Carnage comic crossover. So the gambit of a Venom 2, which I think we all thought was a pretty bad movie, even though you guys enjoyed it, is that now they've upped their game and given him a suitable foil. There'll be a name-brand villain for him to fight that every comic book lover will want to see on screen. I mean, definitely, you gotta get Carnage into a Venom movie. That's, I mean, would you do a Batman franchise without ever having the Joker in it? I think not. Does he consider the Black Symbiote father the way that this movie is going to do? Oh, in, in the comic... Venom literally is the father because they came up with this whole thing, a symbiote, like they will spawn a child like once in their lifetime, they're asexual. So like, yes, Venom actually like craps out a symbiote. That's his kid. And it takes over Cletus. Wow. All right. Well, there it is. So yes, that is the reason to be excited about a sequel to a movie that's felt done, like really done. Like, how did they get away with it? I don't know. You say the reason to be excited. The first film is the reason I'm excited for this one. Yes, it's a low rent superhero film that feels like something maybe Sam Raimi would have done in the mid 90s, but... I enjoyed it. It's got problems. It's not great, but I enjoyed it. And so you give me more of that odd couple Venom and Eddie Brock stuff. I'm down. I was excited for this one, even without Carnage. I watch Venom more often than I'm proud to admit. It's low intensity. It's funny. I love the bromance, the love triangle between Michelle Williams, Tom Hardy, and Venom. The turn in the wind line is so bad, I laugh every time. <laughs> 
It's worse than I remember it, actually. It does not get better the more you watch it. I've watched it a few times, and I watched it the day before I saw this one. So it was fresh on my mind, and it's a breezy film. Yeah, take 10 minutes off of it. It's an hour 50. Make it a little bit shorter, but it's not challenging, and it's got enough humor in there. That's what draws me to it, is that it may not be intentional, but it's a funny film. I think it's intentional. I don't think you do some of those things in that movie if you weren't intending it to be a rom-com. Do you think they intended Eddie Brock climbing into a lobster tank to be like one of the sensational moments in the history of cinema? Because it is like that. (laughs) You asked me Venom, Eddie Brock in a lobster tank. Great. Amazing. Makes the film. It even gets brought up in this movie. I think they knew what they were doing with that. They knew it was going to be funny. I've watched some YouTube features with Andy Serkis and Tom Hardy and the lobster tank keeps coming up. I think they knew what they were doing. What I don't think they knew necessarily was that director Ruben Fleischer wasn't coming back, though. Yeah, that's my curiosity. If you had something that was considered an unequivocal success, you would retain everything and try to get it back. You'd drop the money bomb to make sure that you could replicate it. The fact that we're in different creative hands, and in the hands of someone we know as an actor, or at least a motion capture suit actor, Andy Serkis, what does that mean? Ruben Fleischer... Venom's probably his biggest hit, but he's probably best known for Zombieland. He went back to do Zombieland 2. That's how Woody Harrelson got in Venom 1. They were in pre-production for Zombieland 2. He's like, Woody, I want you to be Carnage. And Woody's like, I don't know. Show me the script. Well, we don't have a script. I don't know. But between Tom Hardy and Ruben Fleischer, they got Woody to sign on for part two, script unseen. Would he have signed on for the film we are watching? Maybe he'll tell us in 10 years. (laughs) But then Zombieland 2 post-production ran long, and Ruben Fleischer was very blunt. He's like, yes, this movie made money, and I'm proud of this movie, but screw those critics. I don't think they just understand what an audience-pleasing movie looks like anymore. They do not understand when you're just trying to give something to the audience for fun. And I think he felt a little bruised by the reviews. So whether it was actually scheduling conflicts with Zombieland 2, or he just felt like this wasn't something he wanted to go back to. He left. Andy Circus came in. He has directed before, but like second unit, right? Mm-mm. No, he he did the CGI Jungle Book movie that no one saw because it wasn't the Disney one. Not only that, but he did Oscar bait. A couple of years ago, Andrew Garfield got polio on screen and it's this romance film. Yeah, what is this? I don't know this one. A woman that, like, tries to invent a mechanical chair so that her polio lover can hold her again. That's the movie? The invention of the mechanical chair? Yeah, it's called Breathe. I didn't watch it, but strangely enough, that didn't hook me into wanting to see it. (laughs) No. But Andy Serkis, yeah, has pretensions to be a major player. You don't make a movie like that unless you think you're going to win statues. Wow, I had no idea. All I knew is he had done a lot of the directing for mocap stuff in movies you know he'd after being Gollum he'd helped with the Planet of the Apes films and things to make sure the mocap actors did their job so to me this seemed like a good fit for the reason Jacob said you're gonna have a lot of mocap going on here and I thought he made sense coming in is the fact that the movie so short 
it takes two hours of movie and grinds it into 90 minutes. I, I feel like that was probably a directive, right? This is packed. Yeah, I felt like they cut a lot of stuff. Like, keep cutting, keep cutting, get it shorter, get it shorter. Let me tell you, like, we went through, like, act one, and I was like, woo, this is so dense. And I looked at my watch, 10 minutes had passed. I was like, <laughs> huh? This is hard for me to keep up with this movie. I guess Andy Serkis is doing that. He's the one that wants to give this thing energy, get it to move, and yeah, get us to this cage match that every comic book fan of Spider-Man or Venom would want to see. But their movie's so dense, I had to see it twice. First, I got a ticket at a local IMAX, and I canceled that ticket. Completely sold out show. Like So I'm like, all right, I'm going to a different show, the emptiest one I could find Thursday night was two-thirds full. I was like, I'll take it. And then Friday night, I went to another full show. I'm like, this is going to be a big movie. I've not seen this summer any movie I've tried to go to be this full. So I'm still going to the drive-in. But here's the thing. Like, there's two drive-ins I could go to. One usually gets the more popular fare, and the other one gets weird indie stuff that you wouldn't expect to see at a drive-in. I don't know who's going to a drive-in to see indie films, but what's telling to me is both drive-ins were showing Venom, and one where it's just double features. Usually, you know, they might put Venom with Shang-Chi. They're both Marvel. Put those together. No, it was Venom and Venom. And then they had another screen, Venom and Venom. Like, they were showing a lot of Venom. Like, they were expecting this to bring in a lot of cars. And you're saying both are Venom 2, right? It's not like Venom 1 and Venom 2. Yes, Venom 2. Not Venom 1 and Venom 2. You you could get a double feature of just Venom, let there be carnage. Twice. Hmm. Well, I didn't quite sense that same enthusiasm, but I live in a less populated area. It was three-fourths full in the IMAX. Darnie, why don't you give him a plot? Cletus Cassidy is a natural-born killer played by Woody Harrelson in a ginger wig. As a child, Cletus was sent to St. Estes Reformatory School as punishment for killing his mother and grandmother. There, Cletus meets and falls in love with Francis Barrison, also known as Shriek, a mutant with a super scream ability played by Naomi Harris. Due to her superpowers, Shriek is taken to the Ravencroft Institute for Superpowered Criminals. On the way, she tries to escape, damaging the hearing of police guard Mulligan, but Mulligan shoots her in the eye to stop her attack. Shriek survives the shooting and is kept in solitary confinement for 25 years. Despite the decades that have passed, Cletus and Francis never forgot each other. These days, Cletus is in a high-security prison for his serial killings. Detective Mulligan, now played by Stephen Graham, is obsessed with finding the location of dozens of missing bodies, presumably Cassidy's victims. When Cassidy demands to speak with reporter Eddie Brock, again played by Tom Hardy, Mulligan hopes new evidence against Cassidy will come to light. Brock is where we left him in the last film. He's still down on his luck, he's unemployed, and Brock's ex-fiancee Anne, again played by Michelle Williams, is engaged to another man, Dr. Dan Lewis, played by Reed Scott. Brock's alien symbiote Venom isn't doing much better. He needs to eat human brains to survive, but Brock is forcing him to subsist on chicken heads and M&Ms to get the chemicals needed by the alien. This is causing strife between the two. Brock interviews Cassidy, but Venom notices drawings scrawled all over the killer's cell walls. One of those drawings leads Venom, and thus Brock, to discover Cassidy's hidden trove of corpses. This gets California to reimpose the death penalty, and Cletus is sentenced to death. Cassidy requests one more interview with Brock before he dies, but during their meeting, Cassidy grabs Brock's hand and takes a bite. But what comes out isn't blood, it's a symbiote child of Venom. 
When Cassie eats the symbiote, he bonds with it, and together the Red Alien and Cassidy are carnage. They break out of prison, killing the Warden and many others, and go to rescue Shriek. When Brock finds out about this, he's literally powerless to do anything, as he and Venom had an argument and broke up. The symbiote left a party with other hosts, while Brock was left alone to buy a new Sony television. Mulligan takes Brock in for questioning, so Brock calls his lawyer, Anne, and Dan and Anne go out to find the Venom symbiote and take it back to Eddie. Once again combined, the two go off to stop Carnage. Carnage and Shriek, however, have a different plan. They want to be wed, and as wedding gifts, they want to kill their enemies. Shriek wants Mulligan, the cop who took her eye. Cassidy wants Brock, the reporter who he blames for his death sentence, and the Carnage symbiote knows the only threat to him is the Venom symbiote, so he wants that black alien killed. But all is not well in Shriek and Carnage's relationship. High-pitched sounds and fire are the only two weaknesses of the symbiotes, and as Shriek's power is creating high-pitched sounds, the Carnage symbiote wants to kill Cletus's beloved. The killers capture Mulligan, but Brock and Venom show up. A major fight ensues, and it seems Carnage, the larger beast, is unstoppable. Venom pushes Shriek off the top of a bell tower to her death. Her final cries hurt both symbiotes, and they detach from their hosts. Venom returns to Eddie before Carnage and Cletus can reunite, and Venom eats the Carnage symbiote, killing it, and then bites off the head of Cletus and feasts on the killer's brains. But now Brock and Venom are on the run. They head to a resort and mend their relationship, and Brock even relents to allow Venom to become a lethal, brain-eating superhero. And Venom starts to tell Brock secrets about the galaxy-spanning knowledge of the symbiotes when reality changes. Suddenly, Venom and Brock are in a much nicer hotel paid for by Kevin Feige of the MCU. On television is J. Jonah Jameson, played by J.K. Simmons, revealing to the world that Spider-Man is, in fact, Peter Parker, played by Tom Holland. And Brock and Venom have a major WTF moment <laughs> as credits roll. I would say that if they had not cast the star of Natural Born Killers, I would not understand in this beginning... When we have, very unfortunately, I will add, Woody Harrelson's adult voice layered over a teenage boy's visuals. No, 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 that's not the problem. See, the problem is, this is 1996. We're saying Woody Harrelson's a teenager in 1996. <laughs> you tell me Woody Harrelson's younger than me, or like my age? He's 60 years old. Like, I was freaking out at this moment. Yeah, that's ridiculous, too. I was going back to a movie that I I put in league with Venom, Ghost Rider, a total guilty pleasure of mine. If you remember that first Ghost Rider, they had some teenage guy there with Nicolas Cage's voice dubbed over him. And so here they're doing that same trick. I'm like, so despite spending $110 million on this, they're cutting some corners. They're not going to CGI DH Woody because God knows there's a lot of Woody footage they could have used to CGI DH him like they do in real MCU movies. No, we're just going to grab this guy who looks nothing like Woody Harrelson. Who are th these teenage lovers that are being pulled apart at the beginning for some reason that I thought she used the word symbiote or something's going on with her supernaturally? No, no. Her mutation. She's a mutant. Mutation. That caught me off guard for a second. I'm like, this isn't a Fox property, but I guess Sony, they get everything that originated in Spider-Man comics. And since this mutant, because she started off in a Spider-Man comic, Sony gets her. 
Are they Mickey and Mallory? That was what I thought they were trying to tell us, that this couple had gone out and done some really terrible things while still in reform school. I mean, in the comic, they meet much later in life when they're adults. They meet in Ravencroft, which is like a high-security prison-slash-insane asylum. It's Arkham Asylum. Marvel really wishes they had Arkham, and so they made Ravencroft. Yes. (laughs) I mean, Cletus is the Joker. Yeah, and Ravencroft is Arkham Asylum. All right. I figured that must be the shorthand, but it was a little too short for me. Like, I really think it's strange to be meeting these characters as they're torn apart and then spend the entire movie waiting for them to get back together for a wedding that doesn't happen. Like, it's strange. Did losing her make him a serial killer? Well, he had killed his grandma and his mom. Like, he talks about his past when he was a kid. Yeah, that comes later, but I guess... What is this movie telling us about these two? That if they get together, there will be carnage. I'm thinking, like you said, it's supposed to be Mickey and Mallory. Only, again, I'll say, I don't feel like Woody Harrelson's bringing the Mickey here. He, I don't know exactly what he's doing. Or her. I don't know that she strikes me. Yeah, she strikes me as an X-Man. I thought she was going to Xavier School when the San Francisco Police Department is dragging her to a van and hauling her away. This is a strange and jarring opener to have characters we've never seen before pledging their love. He drops a woven wedding ring down a drain so that she can have it before she's hauled away. And then maybe she's shot and killed or not. I Just whatever. This feels like shorthand that I've seen in a bunch of action films, like setting up your villain, like their story early on. I didn't find it that confusing. Sure, we're not going to see a killing spree. You know, I don't know if Francis is bad yet, but um, Cletus, I know he's bad. I know he's going to be carnage. So I'm like, yeah, this movie's going to be about him trying to get his old lover. I knew Francis was going to be bad because she's in this reform school and in the trailers, they showed her shrieking. So I knew she was going to be shriek. I didn't even know who Shriek was when I saw it. I'd forgotten that character from the comics. Again, through a lot of shorthand, I get that these two are killers that have to be separated for the sake of the world. Although he'll go on and still kill. He'll get out of this reform school and be caught without us ever seeing how. This is a disappointment to me, but... Given how the last movie ended, Woody Harrelson's Cletus Cassidy in jail, about to be interviewed by Eddie Brock. And so, while I would have liked to have seen Cassidy's killing spree before getting in here, I'll put it on the table. One of my big complaints about this movie is Venom and Carnage only fight once. And I feel like in most movies, you have multiple fights between the two. And you could have had something where Cletus was on a killing spree and stopped by... Brock as Venom, and then Cletus became obsessed with him, but at least we'd have a couple of more interactions in there. Yeah, you open up with them fighting as human beings. Before either had a symbiote, this reporter caught him in the middle of a serial killing. Well, yeah, what's weird is we're going to find out that Eddie had a bad childhood, too. Like, I don't remember any of this being brought up in the first one. Killed his mother at birth. Yeah. Yeah, his, his mom died birthing Eddie. Like, Yeah, he didn't, like, kill his mom. He didn't come out of the womb stabbing. Yeah, I want to make that clear. <laughs> yes, the mom died in childbirth. But here's the thing. This 
is PG-13. I know that was one of my complaints about the first Venom is like, he keeps saying he's eating heads. I just don't see it like because they can't really show it. And yeah, you, you can have a serial killer in PG-13. We can't see his killing spree, though. They, that's going to go too far. That's going to get that R rating. I disagree. They could definitely have started there, but this movie doesn't want to go to darkness. I would say that if I felt there was a tonal imbalance to Venom 1, the correction now is we don't ever go anywhere scary. If it's not funny, we're not going to show it. I kind of agree. Like, I I say don't let there be carnage. Like, get carnage out of here. Let this be a rom-com because that is my favorite stuff in this film. Like, look, when you introduce a cartoon sequence because you can't show, like, a child killing his parents, you you know they want to keep this PG-13. And light. You act like PG-13 means you can't go to dark places. You can do... There are serial killer movies that are PG-13. This movie wants to be funny and light all the time, and it wants to skip over all of this. But, yeah, I mean, we're going to spend 10 minutes before we even really get to... Eddie Brock. We're spending most of that time on Cletus Cassidy and really, mm -mm. it's uh, 10 minutes and we're 30 minutes into this story. There is 25 scenes. Yes, I'll give you that. But this movie is so densely packed that in 10 minutes, at the 10 minute mark, he's hopping around roofs looking for chickens. And here's the thing, though, like for this film, do you want 30 minutes of Cletus backstory? Like, yes, this is densely packed. They're using shorthand, but it's also a comedy. (laughs) I'm going to argue that this is a comedy. This is not a let there be carnage. Like, if you want maximum carnage on the big screen, no, you're not going to get it. This is a rom-com, and so I'm glad it's moving because, yeah, I don't care about carnage in this. Maybe that's a bad thing, but I just, by the end of this, I don't care about carnage. He's not the main character. Because you're laughing, Jacob. If you thought this wasn't a funny comedy, you would be jumping up and down about who are these people and how can you have this villain carnage and not know anything about him. So when they were introducing Shriek here at the beginning and Carnage, were you interested in these characters at all? Or were you wondering why we were dealing with this screamer? I was very confused about what was going on with her and why she was being locked in an asylum. That didn't make any sense to me. It was just, again, who has time to process all of this? But I was like, man, that was really quick. When we've had Romeo and Juliet or Mickey and Mallory be torn apart and grow up to be pining lovers that have to come together. To me, it gets more confusing when Brock shows up. When we ended the last movie, we ended with Brock interviewing Cassidy. And here, he's coming in to interview Cassidy again, I guess? Yeah, I mean, Mulligan, this cop that's investigating everything, He, yeah, he drops a line about, oh, you blew your chance last time you talked to him to find out where all these bodies are. He wants to talk to you again. Go in there and, and get that information. And I didn't get it. You probably should, but again, the movie's so quick, I, I think your brain would really have to be a fast processor. He's wearing a hearing aid. We probably should connect him. Oh, I didn't get any of this till they call it out later on. <laughs> Yeah, we probably should connect him to the fight in the back of the paddy wagon in which Shriek, you're calling her, gets one last yelp in and he pulls out his gun and it kind of looked like he shot her in the head, but we'll see once she's in her glass cell, she just kind of got her eye grazed. Her left eye now is whitened. Yeah, and she's got a really cool looking scar and yeah, this mulligan... I had to look him up. Spoiler alert, he becomes 
Toxin, a symbiote in the comics. Who's yeah, a- they tease something at the end. We see something going on with his eyes. Okay, so she is not a symbiote, but I guess we'll discuss whatever she does to him that at the end that sets him up for villain status. But I understand I'm supposed to hate Mulligan for some reason because Eddie's growing a black tentacle and Venom's head is wanting to eat his, but I don't quite get it. He's hassling Eddie Brock, our hero. Venom and Brock are really just having relationship problems here, and... It's going to be the focus of the movie is trying to get these two on the same level. It's kind of like a less interesting lethal weapon scenario (laughs) where you've got the two different partners who have to work together. The difference is I don't think in Lethal Weapon Danny Glover ever turned to Mel Gibson and goes, you are a loser. Lethal Weapon or Beverly Hills Cop? I do notice they dress Tom Hardy in the Mumford Physical Ed shirt. Yes! And the coat! The lion's coat! What is with that? Is it just Amish? Why are they making him? Why is he Beverly Hills Cop? I don't understand the reference. I think it's Eddie Brock, Eddie Murphy. Like, I think that's as deep as it goes. I, my only guess is that, yes, it go. It comes from Raw. But, you know, there's that whole bit about, give me half Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. And the way that Eddie Murphy intoned his supposed African Bushwoman wife <laughs> sounds a lot like Venom talking to this Eddie Brock. So, and, and this is Tom Hardy doing the Venom voice as well. Is is that the case? It is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I thought that was the case with the first one, and they do that again. I wouldn't put it past Tom Hardy that he had just watched Raw and was like, "Yeah, let's run with this." You know, if the Henson Company though ever loses their Cookie Monster, I think Tom Hardy should be on call because <laughs> half the time Venom's like, "Me want brain, be us for brain, and that's good enough for me." I mean, he really does sound Cookie Monster. Is that a good thing? <laughs> I guess <laughs> I-, I will say this again for people: they're out there. These people exist that don't really care about the MCU. Like, I have a brother. He's like, I'm never going to see any superhero movie. I'm sick of them. And, like, my girls got sick of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, for this, though, it's, like, totally different. Like, they're cracking up. They're like, yes, this is what we want. We talked about the, the gay subtext in the last one. And, like, they're like, oh... Oh, Venom and Eddie are in love. Like, this is great. Like, they love all this stuff. So I I think speaking for people that want to get away from, you know, that machine that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe, like, this is very different. (laughs) You could say a lot of things, whether that's good or bad, but this is very different than what you'd get. But are a lot of people nostalgic for Batman and Robin or Ghost Rider? Because I guess I am. Because, but that's what this is taking me back to, is that type of movie. Yeah, it's a lot less serious, but... Yeah, before the MCU normalized and turned it into a machine, as you're saying, Jacob, superhero movies were bad. I just want to bring you back to that, because I took a lot of shit for red arrowing, like really bad films that people were insisting were great superhero films until they actually saw good superhero films. And now I think we can all agree that Punisher Warzone and Daredevil are really bad films. No, I I agree with you. Those are bad ones. This is going to the 90s, though. This is going to where, yeah, 
oh, Batman, like, that's a popular IP, I guess, with these nerds that read comic books. We got to make a version for the masses, but the masses aren't going to really like this. So we got to goof it up a bit. Like, that's how this feels. Like, we don't trust people. Like, this is before we knew people actually wanted comic book stuff. So we got to goof it up. We got to make it silly. We got to make it something different than superheroes. This does very much feel like something from, yeah, those 90s slates of superhero films. It does. It's anachronistic to have this movie come out today. But I think that's actually one of the things that makes it special. Yes, it is. It totally is. That is my draw. Like To be specific, what happened was Hollywood was embarrassed to make superhero movies because they thought only children liked them. So they kind of made them with the bent that it was for age 12 for a, a good long while. And then you realize you could have all kinds of superhero movies and play to all different types of audiences and they could be sophisticated. But this feels, Arnie, you used the word cookie monster. Yes, this feels like we are making this one for the kiddies again. It kind of does, especially with all the talk of biting off heads when we never get to see one really well bitten off. That feels like kitty humor, like you're going to talk about it, but never actually do it, making it a punchline. Yeah. I'm not nostalgic for that because I didn't really even like it then. So that may be the difference here. That may be whether you're going to take to this vibe or not as Eddie and Venom do their shtick. This feels more like, again, we, we had the Tim Burton Batmans and all that kind of stuff. But this feels more like, again, Meteor Man or something. Like, even those, like, off-brand. Steel. this is much more entertaining than steel i mean they should have had some jokes about a souffle falling that would have made this better i agree (laughs) anyway venom does bring up a good point he is actually the only one that is doing real detective work and figuring things out and being the hero when they go to cletus and i don't really understand this deal but the serial killer says if you'll publish my weird haiku poem that's meant for an audience of one Which is not really a haiku. It does not follow haiku structure. It doesn't, but this is the word that is used. If you publish this, I mean, I'll go ahead and read it. That distant cathedral is all I see, fractured angel, the other part of me. Publish that in your newspaper, and I will tell you where I buried the bodies. Venom finds out where the bodies are buried without having to publish the stupid poem. What Cletus is offering isn't even the location of the bodies. He's offering his life story. He's offering the killing of mom, the killing of grandma, the abusive dad. And then later on, he's going to say, you never even let me tell you about my abusive mother and my abusive grandmother, and I killed them in self-defense. You're not letting me say that story. That's what he was going to give was his life story. But I don't think he was going to reveal the bodies because Cassidy doesn't want to be killed. And when they find the bodies, they're going to give him the death penalty. But obviously, if he's in jail, they have some bodies. You know what I mean? Like, But they're not reinstating the death penalty to get to to kill him. Okay, when Eddie emerges from this and says to Mulligan, the only scoop he has today is double chocolate chip, and Venom starts going off about brain freeze, you're laughing? You feel like this is good joke writing? I am kind of laughing at the brain freeze joke. I'm like, he's a symbiote. He doesn't even have a real brain. Okay. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm not laughing at every joke, and half the time I'm laughing because the jokes are so dumb, and I think they're running with that. I, th- I think they know this one's dumb. I think that first film was a huge surprise that it made so much money, and they're like, oh, people want dumb jokes in a Venom movie. Let's do more of that. Yeah, it is like, what's the worst dad jokes you can come up with? We'll put quotation marks around all of this humor so you know we're being ironic. We know that this is bad. We know it's not genuinely funny. I do find myself laughing more at this film because, yes, of that ironic meta knowledge that, like, yeah, this is dumb and I can't believe it's actually in a big budget superhero movie in 2021 more than they're funny. Like, just the whole situation I find hilarious, like, that this movie is getting made today. It was funnier the first time, though, right? Like, it's a hard joke to recreate. Yes, it's amazing that a movie this bad and unprofessional is coming out in 2018, (laughs) but a sequel now no they run with it they really embrace it like we'll get to some of those points but they really grasp on oh people want the weird rom-com humor let's just run with it and bravo for doing that but while we're having some of this brock carnage stuff did you guys catch the stan lee cameo i read about it i did not catch it while watching it but i guess there's a picture of him in the background somewhere i didn't catch it until my second viewing and i didn't read about it anywhere when they walk into mrs chen's convenience store she says hi venom and venom reaches out a tentacle to straighten up some magazines stan lee is on the cover of that magazine oh, okay at any rate yes we now are on to yeah what n- definitely feels like what makes venom unique in all superhero movies currently is the focus it has on screwball relationship comedy these two are bickering and can't get along and are Cary Grant and Katherine Hepburn in a 1930s movie, only, you know, it's a black gooey symbiote and Tom Hardy is its own kind of joke. But is it a movie? Can you sustain the runtime having fights about whether we eat our chickens or not? Yeah, a, a runtime of like, look, take out credits and this is like 85 minutes. Yes, it can. <laughs> This is not two and a half hours of Marvel stuff going on. This is so brisk. Like, again, 90 minutes is nothing. Like, it's rare to get a 90-minute film these days unless it's like an indie horror thing. It really is. And I think if they did film more and stuff was on the cutting room floor... It's got to be all Michelle Williams stuff, right? Because she's barely in this movie. I feel so bad for her. Good. We don't need her. Well, you do need her. Just like we always need Greg Kinnear in a Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks movie. You need that person that one of the people in the romantic triangle wants, but nobody in the audience wants them to end up with. Yeah, Anne is supposedly who Eddie Brock should be with, but we want her to be with the doctor. Dr. Dan. Get away from Jekyll and Hyde. Really, I it was weird to me that Venom 1 ended and left a couple of dangling threads. A, the hero didn't get the girl, and B, Venom is still eating his innards. I remember there was that whole point of Venom's eating your pancreas and you're going to die if you don't get rid of Venom. They never cleared up either of those. Here, I'm like, okay, this is their chance to fix both of those. At the end of this movie, the hero still doesn't get the girl, and they don't even address the pancreas. No, I I figure, you know, whatever rules they usually come up with in a first film, those get tossed out by the second one. Like, we don't care about that kind of turmoil. We want to, yeah, see... Eddie and Venom fighting over whether he should get back with Anne. And, you know, Anne's going to drop this bomb that she's engaged to Dr. Dan. And 
the surprise to me, I, I even though I had just watched the film, their first Venom film the day before, is Anne's going to go, Venom's dead, right? I'm like, oh, okay, she didn't know he was still alive. I, I guess I didn't realize that. The way that they played it was nebulous. It's like she suspects but won't call it out by name. And here in the restaurant, when she's showing off her engagement ring, she knows by the end of the scene, she even tells Venom, take care of Eddie for me because I know I'm breaking his heart. Yeah, I love that Venom is like super protective of Eddie and so mad that Anne has gotten engaged to someone else. Again, this is not great, well-written humor, but it is so offbeat and just bizarre. Again, in, in our day of 2021, you do not expect this from a superhero film. Like, I'm just all in for it. I'm agreeing. I think this is really amusing stuff. And Venom, you know, lest you think the love triangle is who gets Eddie, Venom wants to be with Anne as well. Remember, Venom took over Anne in that first movie and became She-Venom and had that kiss. I think Venom would be very happy in a thruple situation here. Mm, I didn't pick up on that, but I could see that. You're right. He has had his own time with Anne. I'm going to probably surprise you both and say I do like all this stuff. I think this is what the movie should be about. It is unique and inorganic and something very different from what we're normally getting. Relationship stuff is usually the filler in between fight scenes in most superhero movies that we have one that's all about working out the dynamics. And in fact, the reason why the hero is going to win is because he can negotiate relationships with his ex and her new fiance, whereas Carnage and Shriek and Cletus can't get along, I think is, structurally speaking, a very sound idea. But I would argue that, yeah, we would need a lot more of Michelle Williams in this. We would need the humor to be sharper in order for me to really appreciate what they're trying to do here. Yeah, because having Venom sing, let's call the whole thing off while making a mess of an apartment isn't exactly sophisticated, nor does it really seem like the thing that would help Eddie get over it. But Venom's trying. He's an alien. He's not used to our customs. This is schlock. That is the surprise to me that this is a, a schlock B movie and that could go, that could be good or bad. And they're just hitting it on the right notes. Not everything is working perfectly, but it's working enough for me. It reminds me a lot of Little Shop of Horrors, the way that the plant was always trying to say, feed me, and at the same time was trying to get, you know, the Seymour, the girl, and all of that. Like, there's something about this that feels like that trashy musical, but it's missing the songs. And I bet I'm singing here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it is in this moment where I realize that, oh, I should be thinking about screwball comedy. I should be thinking about Cary Grant. I should be thinking about old-fashioned Hollywood and seeing if they're pulling this off. It's worth pointing out the screenwriter is the same from the last movie. And Kelly Marcel has... Also recently revived Cruella DeVille in a movie I didn't see with Emma Stone. But I guess her shtick is that how do I find the bitchy rom-com side of these popular iconic villains? It's certainly a different way to go. Now, I haven't read all of the Venom solo comics. I do understand a relationship with Anne is in some of them. But also, I feel that we're not really getting a Venom movie. And... Jacob, I'm not sure how deep you've gone into reading, like, the Spider-Man Venom stuff, but it's not like Venom 
pops out his own head in the comics and starts having conversations. No, that is something I think they're doing for this film because you don't want just Tom Hardy talking to himself. Well, I might want that. Like, that might be make a great film for me personally if Tom Hardy's just in a room talking to himself the whole time. But no, you want to see some kind of visualization. And because, like, look... Not the greatest CGI, but again, it's bad enough in a good way, like where it's just humorous to me. Like, again, this is not our $200 million, $500 million budget Marvel film. This is, you know, whatever their budget is, but it's humorous looking to me. Yeah, the the way his head pops out of his back or whatever, I, I go with it. It's a big step up from the CGI of the last movie. I'll say that much. Yeah, it did look better. Yes. You think? Yeah, having rewatched Venom 1 and then gone into Venom 2, this has a lot more texture to it and a lot less of that CGI sheen. I'm not saying that it looks like that tentacle's gonna come off the screen, but it's better. Still not great. <laughs> uh, okay, quibbles here, splitting hairs, splitting oozy black tentacles. In the end, it is a junky-looking movie with a junky premise, and what I hear Jacob advocating is, go with that. Just enjoy that we're watching Flaming Trash. Not everything needs to be polished. I agree. And the, the fact that it's self-aware enough that it, it kind of knows it's Flaming Trash. That's what helps me. Believe it or not, I'm really trying to do that, but whenever they're bringing in Woody Harrelson and Carnage, that becomes harder, because I really feel like that's the element of the movie that doesn't work. I agree. Don't make this about Carnage. Yeah, he ends up sending this bloody postcard where we do get the animated story of his murderous childhood, which, again, still doesn't explain why he's killing or what his parents might have done. No, that's the weird thing is they he tries to make this whole sob story about I was abused and I killed in self-defense. And Brock will even call him out, but like you killed all those other people. Yeah, he never explains like his motivations for that. He's always trying to get this sob story like he's misunderstood, like maybe Venom was in that first film, but it never works. Yeah, I prefer a killer like Mickey and Mallory who you don't need to have a backstory. Yeah, Mallory had a bad childhood, but I don't really need that. I feel like they would have become psychopathic killers anyway. I don't know that we need this for Carnage. I don't like Carnage as the whiny, I'm the victim kind of person. The movie I came for is called Let There Be Carnage. And meanwhile, I'm sitting in the audience as, yes, can we let there be carnage? I'm watching a whole lot of Venom and Eddie arguing. I want more Cletus. I want more carnage. Finally, we're going to get back there for interview number three, I guess. And we get the scene from the trailer where it's because Cletus starts attacking Eddie verbally and Venom gets defensive, starts smacking Cletus around a little bit that Cletus is able to get close enough to bite the hand and get a little symbiote. And why does he do that? Because he's a cannibal? Is he Jeffrey Dahmer and he wants to eat people? He's just a psychopath who I think would eat people, yes. I don't know that that's his main motivation for killing, but... I think he'd be more than happy to eat brains. But his motivation here, to, he's obviously trying to get this reporter to get angry because he's angry at the reporter for not telling the whole story. Yeah, but he doesn't know that Eddie has a symbiote in him. It's not like he planned this to, to get a piece of that symbiote so he could become carnage. I think he just wanted to antagonize him because he's getting he's on death row now. This would be much better if this were part of a mastermind plot to get symbiote in me so I could bust out. Instead, it's just happenstance that, oh, all of a sudden I have red spikes coming out of me and they can push the poison as they're trying to lethal inject me back out of my veins. Yeah, we'll see 
Cletus like wipe his mouth and we'll see that little piece of symbiote like move around. I thought he knew he had. I guess he sensed something in him and that symbiote will talk to you, but he still goes to get that lethal injection. And I think he would have died if not for that symbiote. Like that was not his plan to go to the table and lay there and then have Carnage save him. Like that was just Carnage's self-preservation to stay alive. He needed to be put in prison by Venom and Brock. Agreed. And he needed to know that Venom was in Brock. And they seem hamstrung by that stupid stinger from the first movie that I think we would all be happy to ignore because the wig was bad and it wasn't even that funny. So just set up the story the way you need to and we could appreciate this moment more. If you're hungry for Carnage, I think the middle of this movie serves you very well because all of a sudden it is about Woody Harrelson going on a jailbreak and trying to have fun all over San Francisco. The question of whether he's successful or not, I'm curious to hear you answer, Arnie. Do you enjoy this Carnage once he gets going, once he and I should say Cletus and Carnage start to form their union? I wish there was more of it. He seems very motivated just to get to Shriek. He Like, the whole thing isn't, I'm a killer on a spree. The thing is, I gotta go get my girl, and I'm gonna kill everybody who gets in my way, including the mean old lady doctor that's been experimenting on her for 25 years, thus making us feel like some of Carnage's murdering is justified, right? Because that was an evil nurse ratchet type doctor. And so I wish there was just more of, like, I love the scene where Cletus steals the Mustang. I wish he would have had to kill people to get the Mustang. You know what I'm saying with that? I agree with you. And I also think it would be helpful to know that what happens when he finally does get with Francis is worse than him on his own. He's already a notorious serial killer that has dozens of bodies in his record. So what is the big deal? Maybe Francis would help him mellow out. If all he wanted was a girlfriend, maybe they should have never been separated. I don't know what them coming together means. What it actually means is their oil and water. The fact that we know symbiotes have two weaknesses. It's driven home here again, in case you don't remember the first film. They don't like fire, as we see when Venom's trying to cook. And they don't like loud noises, and yet Cletus's love exists to make loud noise. Yes, I saw early on, I'm like, oh, Shriek, she yells loud. That's going to be a bad relationship with Carnage then, because yes, that's a symbiote's weakness. But it's very simple and kind of stupid, but I like that, because this is a film about relationships, about who's compatible and who's not. So yeah, you're going to take a Shrieker and someone that hates loud noises, not a good thing. I don't really like what Naomi Harris is doing, too. I should add that it feels like she's playing it a little bit more straight. And maybe Woody Harrelson's playing it more straight, too. You think so? (laughs) I don't know. Like, maybe that's not the right word for it. But I feel like she thinks she's in a traditional superhero movie. Nobody told her this is the drag queen version of it. Nobody told her you're supposed to do more. Any impulse you have for an actorly tick... Anything you want to do that's absurd, we'd rather have you do that. Instead, she feels kind of like a boring girlfriend who spent all of this time waiting in a cage to be rescued. And once she does get freed, why does she want to shriek? I don't understand. Because that's her power. Gotta use your mutant power. Yeah, okay. Um, You get my point. It's very simple, Stuart. I think you're overthinking it. Like, if you're a mutant and you have a power, you use it. Whatever it is, you use it. I agree. This is a kids' TV series, Saturday morning, and I'm treating it like dissertation material for my grad school project. 
No, but I do think you got to meet it on its level. Like, it, that's not what it's going for, so I'm not going to judge it by that. I guess I don't want what it's going for, is, is what I will conclude then. If what it wants to do is only this, then that's not enough. I'm not against the movie being trashy. God knows I've seen enough superhero movies. If you can do something fresh and original and unexpected, give it to me. But yeah, the the idea that it takes so long for these two to get together and then don't really even do anything. What is the relationship? Yeah, when they get together, it starts to become personal for our hero because they're together, they want to get married, and the wedding gift is going to be to kill the three people we supposedly care about. I don't know about you. I don't give a damn about that cop. Not a bit. Mulligan. No. I no. mean, I'm not even going to give the film the mulligan for the fact that the guy's <laughs> named Mulligan. No. But this is where it's supposed to get personal. And of course, one problem that I have, and the, I mean, my problems are quibbles. I'm mostly having fun. But in the first movie, we did have that scene with Dr. Dan, when Dr. Dan had a purpose in the movie, of the MRI separating Venom from Eddie and saying, Venom is eating your pancreas, he's going to kill you, you need to separate. And we have this period where Eddie is powerless, the Superman 2 moment of giving up the power. Here, we're going to have that same thing happen again. Finally, Venom and Eddie, they have it out. They fight each other. It's even better because it's a Superman 3 moment because they're going to just fight each other. Instead of him losing his powers, they're going to fight. And that nice TV, Mulligan says nice TV about that Sony Bravia TV there. But that Bravia's $2,000 television is going to go out the window. And so is Venom. Venom's going to go try to find another host so he can... What party does he go to? Okay, he goes to some costume party. You know, this is coming out October 1st. It's Halloween. San Francisco is known for this. Like, I remember I went to an ice cream shop that had just opened. They were having a rave. Anything that they could do to have a rave, they will just throw a party. It is that kind of town where this block parties are always happening. So, yes, it's some kind of Day of the Dead kind of rave vibe with who is this little sims i have no idea i i just gotta say this is the lobster tank moment of this film and when venom gets up on that stage and takes the mic like look okay people reminding you i'm in a drive-in so i'm just in my car with my family i yelled venom gonna rap like i was so excited i'm like he's taking the mic we're gonna get a rap scene from venom we don't get it it's the only way you could improve this film is have venom rap i was so scared because I had seen the trailers for this, but there was a new Facebook ad that came out the week before this movie came out, and it showed Venom at a rave with those neon loops on, and I posted this to Now Playing. I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but this has me really, really concerned. <laughs> no, like, I'm all for it. Why are you concerned? This is exactly what you claim you want. It is, Stuart. I'm I'm loving this. I love Venom giving this speech. I'm out of the Eddie rock closet like again my girls they're very into like lgbtq plus concerns and all that so like they, they're loving this they're like oh my gosh finally a gay superhero on the big screen like they're loving it but why arnie would you be concerned you know that this is trashy you know that this is not the venom that is scary and horrific and violent like this is what a venom movie is going to be you don't want it to be this i wanted it to be carnage I wanted there to be carnage. The movie says, let there be carnage. It's my expectation. Venom at a rave turns out to be fun and not embarrassing. And I actually really enjoy these moments. 
But coming in, it is belying the tone I want this film to be. To, to, to mirror what you're saying, Stuart, so I can be the carnage to your Brock, I agree with you. This movie isn't what I wanted. But I'm more with Jacob in that I'm going to roll with what it is instead of getting caught up on what it isn't. Okay, so you as yeah the big carnage geek, talking about geek choirs, like you're wanting that, but you're willing to go with what they're giving you, even though you're not being satisfied with the carnage stuff. You're still entertained? Yes, but at this point in the movie, I still hope there's time for carnage. <laughs> you still, you're still hoping for carnage. <laughs> now, spoiler alert, they're never going to give me the carnage I want in this movie, and I'm going to walk out of here saying this is a bad carnage movie. But is it a good Venom movie? It, it feels like he gets the biggest action scenes. He gets that big jailbreak scene and, and the, the car stuff. Like, it feels like all the big special effects scenes do go to carnage. They do. You're not here for action. If people are liking this movie, you're here because of the attitude and the humor. Because I'm actually thinking during the action scenes, I'm like, well, we could even get this under 90 minutes. Like, Let's cut a lot of this because I don't want any of it. Yeah, it, it definitely is an 80s fish out of water comedy. That's what they're doing here. Which, again, I think of Arnie you liking a lot, but I just want to point out these jokes aren't very good. Like, you're giving this movie a whole lot of passes when the joke is like, oh, we want to take selfies with this guy and we love your costume. That's the best you could think of to be funny. Like, there's better jokes to target here. I just don't think it's very creative. You know, and it's over real fast. Before you know it, he's back at Mrs. Chin's, falling to the ground dead because he can't find a host that can house his toxic spirit. Yeah, that's not compatible. It's all about compatibility. Yeah, I get that as a theme and I like that as a theme. But I just, if you have this kind of breakup moment, you want to have some genuine laughs as opposed to some like mild chuckles. But Mulligan has arrested Eddie under suspicion. It wouldn't be enough to hold him in a real movie, but in a movie like this, you can throw someone in jail because it seems likely that he knows something he's not saying. And indeed, Eddie does consider maybe telling him about the bite and passing the symbiote to Woody Harrelson, but he ultimately decides he better call his lawyer, who is also Anne. And yeah, she's got to go find Venom. We got to get that reunion. And it's super easy to find Venom. Just go to Mrs. Chen. That's where he's at. This scene, Michelle Williams is not in this movie very much, right? But there's this moment here where she like yells at Venom to come out and Ms. Chen gets the Venomize. The Venomize. <laughs> which is kind of funny. But then she kind of goes, yeah, yeah, you're the sexy one. You're the hot one. Did anyone else think this is Michelle Williams trying to say, if Margot Robbie's ever out, I could be Harley Quinn? I mean, it was kind of like <laughs> that accent and kind of the flirty. Hmm. Did she study Margot Robbie? It didn't, it was not a thought that crossed my mind. And quite frankly, I see Michelle Williams in things like her TV show about Bob Fosse. I don't think she wants to do stuff like this. So I think she's happy to let Margot Robbie do the superhero stuff in general. This is a paycheck role for her, obviously. You don't think Michelle Williams wants a paycheck? <laughs> I don't think that she necessarily envies the actor that gets to put on these outfits and do these acrobatics. No. She doesn't want to do four hours of clown makeup. She's a Broadway theater girl. There's just something about the way she delivers those lines that feels like a different entire inflection and everything than we've seen in this movie and am i supposed to take it maybe the love triangle is both eddie and venom love Anne, but Anne only loves venom because the arc here is she told 
Eddie at the beginning, you can't love anyone. You are incapable of love. Well, that, no, that's what we learn. Even Venom makes that point is everything that bad that happened in Eddie's life is because of Eddie, like going and using Anne, hacking into her files in that first film and getting her fired. Like Venom's the one that's teaching him how to get into a relationship. The only reason they broke up is that she lost her job, right? Like, it's not really clear why she is with Dan, to me. Like, it wasn't like she wasn't happily with Eddie at the beginning of Venom. Yeah, except he hacked her files. That, that's a big breach of trust. No, no, I'm not saying it's not a reason to break up. I'm saying to accuse him of being incapable of love feels like a new angle. I never felt like she felt like that. I do really like this scene, like, because it plays well on both sides. Eddie has to apologize. She comes back with Venom inside her again, and they break out of jail, and Venom's not going back into Eddie until he hears a genuine mea culpa. Like, what Eddie has to say about his failings is true both of Anne and for Venom. Like, and you do wonder, could he actually win Anne back in this exchange? Uh, the movie's not really going to play with that, though. She's happily with Dan, and if anything, Venom is cooler with Dan by the end of the movie than he was at the beginning. Love it. Which is a shock. I thought this was going to be the movie where he does get the girl back from Dan. But no, we're going to actually come to like Dan. He's not going to be the Greg Kinnear. We're going to realize Dan is going to try to be part of this too. Dan's going to save the day by the end of this. I also think we just want other people for Eddie and Venom. They're the couple. We don't need anyone coming in between like Anne. That, that just kind of ruins the relationship. But it really does feel fast that, yes, I feel that Eddie is apologizing to Anne, but Venom thinks Eddie's apologizing to Venom. And with that done, now let's go take on Carnage. Although Venom gets scared because it's a red one. I have no idea what that means, but... Yeah, this is where I feel like this is... You cut something out that I need. Like, yeah, you're a red one. What does that mean? Because then we also have Carnage calling him father. I'm like, oh, yeah, I guess... Venom is his father. Like, why is he scared of his son? I get that they're trying to do a whole family thing, and I'm sure there was stuff that was cut out here, but I did want an explanation why he's scared of the red one. I like the fight that comes in. I mean, I wish there was more of it. Well, you've wanted this fight. I can barely keep up. Well, I want to give this a compliment because that last film, we had a black Venom versus a gray Venom. Very hard to tell them apart. At least this is red and black. But what I again, what I don't understand from Venom's point of view is like, we're going to die. I don't know. He seems to hold his own against his son here. Agreed. I also don't get why Cletus is so much holding Eddie Brock to what he didn't report. Considering Eddie didn't publish any story, Venom solved it without publishing that. No, he did publish a story. On the second viewing, it drove home for me what Cletus is pissed about is he got the death penalty because of Brock. He holds Brock 100% responsible. That's so bad. Scratch that out and write something else. Really terrible. That shouldn't be the reason why. And later he's going to say, I really wanted your friendship or something like that. I mean, like, oh, yeah, I don't believe anything Cletus says. They cannot come up with a plausible reason why Cletus is hanging on Eddie so much. I can't get it. No, and with an extra half an hour and having Eddie be the reason Cletus got caught by cops. There you go. Then you would have a lot more motivation going on there. I'll give you an extra 10 minutes at most. I don't want another half hour of this. I want this to be a two-hour superhero movie. I do. No, no. That's not what I... We have plenty of those. We get like six of those a year. No, but I want this one to be the one with Carnage. 
I get what you're saying. As someone that is specifically Spider-Man oriented, this means something to you that these characters are here. Whereas Jacob, you're not even so much into Marvel, and I don't think you are that big on Spider-Man. Yeah, I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan, but again, my expectations are set by that last film. I don't want an all of a sudden a Christopher Nolan carnage movie. No. Dark and gritty. Like, that is not what this Venom franchise has set up. No, and I don't want that either. This is what Venom has set up for a carnage film. It is strange that they didn't do a course correction, because after that first film... That, it made over $800 million. You don't correct that course. It's on the right course. You knew there were problems. There were things that could be done better. And should have been done better. And they just decided, let's do the exact same thing. <laughs> even with a new director, it's feeling, I don't know, maybe even a little more scattered. But I'll give Andy Circus; he does have a good visual style. I do like when Carnage is in front of that stained glass window. That should have been the poster for this movie. That is a gorgeous shot. I mean, that was the big shot in the trailer, wasn't it? Yeah. Like, I remembered that one, yeah. I'll agree with you this far, Ernie. I wish Carnage mattered a little bit. Like, I feel like, yes, he's shooting tentacles all over the place. But, yeah, for reasons we're told, literally, again and again and through dialogue, he's somehow too hard for Venom to beat. But I don't feel like this is a special villain at all. What the shock is, like, I remember when 1989 when I saw Tim Burton's Batman. Like, I was so upset that they killed the Joker. And then in Batman Returns, they killed the Penguin. I'm like, how are you supposed to have your big team-up movie with all the villains coming together? You can't kill your villains. Oh, this really is a throwback 90s superhero movie because they're just going to kill Carnage. Like, well, maybe the symbiote's still around, but Cletus is dead. He's got no head. Unless Carnage takes a massive poo of red, I think <laughs> they're both gone. Well, is, isn't that how we're getting Toxin? Like, I... I I didn't quite understand how something got into Mulligan. That I don't know, and I don't even know that we'll ever see Mulligan again. We'll discuss the end of this film. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to have that actor. The moment I knew I was going to see this film again on Friday was the moment where they're fighting in the bell tower, and it seems like a stalemate. Maybe Venom's a little bit on the losing side, but Carnage is getting more pissed because Shriek keeps shrieking, and despite Cletus saying this is the love of my life, the Carnage symbiote's like, I'm gonna kill her. <laughs> I'm just going to kill her if she doesn't shut up. And so they're at the top of the bell tower and Venom smacks Shriek and makes her fall to her death and then get crushed by a bell <laughs> that her Shriek caused to fall. So, I mean, he keeps saying, I want to be a lethal protector, but this is just a callous murder of a woman. Now, admittedly, a bad woman, but we've not seen her off killing people the way we've seen Cletus do it. I mean, she screamed at that police helicopter. Naomi Harris sucks in this movie. She's just, the character, everything just sucks. This may take it all out. I'll be honest, like all this stuff with this bell tower at the end, I really did tune out. I'm like, this, this isn't what I want. I don't want Carnage versus Venom versus Shriek. Like, ring the bell, let's end it. The joke is... The reason why we know that we got a good thing going, Venom to Eddie, for all of our fighting, we can negotiate our relationship with Anne. Whereas that symbiote and Cletus, I think Carnage is going to kill her because of all the shrieking. Mm -hmm. The phrase used is, we have symbiosis and Cletus and Carnage don't. You know, you're a symbiote. You've got to be in symbiosis with your host. And so the, the winning happens by Shriek's yell and the bell combined, forces the symbiotes to disengage with their hosts. But because Venom and Eddie are more in tune, Venom gets back to Eddie much faster than Carnage gets back to Cletus. 
Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, Venom goes through Anne and then Dr. Dan and then into Eddie to save him. Like, they're all holding hands. I don't know. I really love when you do that friendship is our power thing like the end of the first Guardians film. Let's, like, hold hands and defeat evil. I mean, I get it, and I think it works. And it's kind of funny that Dan has gone from coward and, yeah, hated third wheel to he's really getting into it. He's he's kind of liking battling aliens now. So he's pouring fire on Carnage. Sound and fire without the sound. <laughs> My complaint is not what they're trying to do. I get what they're trying to do. My complaint mostly is how they're actually doing it and the joke writing level and again the the performances i don't think woody harrelson and naomi harris are are that fun to watch as villains or as lovers i'll agree with that but bad villains never wanted them to show up thirded i don't find shriek a necessity for carnage and i think adding her and trying to bring in too many parallels of love stories and bad romance and things undermines Carnage as a character a little bit. I wish that their Carnage had just been more on a rampage, more unstoppable, more unmotivated and psychotic. Badass. And so by doing this, it just makes him feel kind of lame. Well, he is lame. And again, I think that's exactly the point is he's lame. They can't, that, that threesome can't get it together. And we're a foursome now. We, we're totally in sync. So why do they go get their chickens again and go to a island? I don't understand this conclusion. I took this as they went on vacation to get away from the heat of the cops because like now there's a dead cop mulligan or supposedly dead, even though we see him alive with something in him. Maybe a honeymoon even? Like, is the idea that they're married, is that, yes. the, you know, the words love are used and, and neither rejects that. They're like, you call, said you loved me. And I think they're coming to terms with that. Again, why would you want anyone to come between Venom and Eddie? Yeah. Ah, but somebody's going to. Peter Parker. I gotta know, like, when I saw this mid credit scene, I'm in a car, so I can't hear what other people's reactions are. I, I'm guessing people went crazy for this. I'm guessing you, Arnie, was like, went crazy because I'm even a little excited that Tom Hardy's Venom's going to show up in No Way Home and I don't even really care about that movie. Is he? I don't know. This That's what this is telling us or maybe this is just a, a teaser. They definitely are telling us this. I was wondering coming in because they'd started putting out ads saying don't spoil Venom. I was like, well, what is there to spoil? It's a superhero movie. Then I got thinking, is there a specific reason Venom had to come out before Spider-Man? Is there something here that might influence Spider-Man? And I thought they would just say they were all in the same universe, but no. Yeah, because we weren't even sure if they weren't in the same universe, right? It's just they're in San Francisco and Spider-Man's in New York. It could have been the same thing. Yeah, why couldn't this, in the second movie, start acknowledging the events of New York? You could have just all said we've always been in that universe, but... It's strange because the symbiotes, like, I have secrets, I have galaxies of knowledge because the symbiotes all share knowledge, apparently, and I'm going to give you a taste, and that taste, either coincidentally or causation... Yeah, I took it that it got interrupted. ...makes Venom and Eddie jump through the multiverse, and now they're in a nicer apartment, which I do think is saying MCU has more money. I really do think that's the subtext. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that this was something that Venom had done. And so I was very confused as to how this tied into what we knew was Mysterios. 
I thought Venom did it, but then Venom is like, I don't know what happened. Yeah, I took it it was happenstance that as Doctor Strange is doing whatever he's doing in that trailer, it was at the same time that Venom went to go explain the secrets of the universe and yeah, we time hop. It is the same special effect as shown in that trailer, that same kind of yellow shaky thing. I suspect lawyers here, right? There's some negotiation behind the scenes. Is that the other guy who walks into the room, one of the lawyers? No, I just mean that Sony and Marvel, like, maybe this deal's going to fall through and there was another scene shot just in case we aren't going to be put into the movie this December. It feels like Venom was going to show him something entirely, the next villain for the Venom 3 movie, and instead because... Uh, contracts could be signed we're going to have the teaser for no way home here's what i understand after spider-man far from home if you recall things were getting a little rocky between sony and marvel right and sony was like we're taking our toys and going home and marvel is like screw you and it was a money thing sony wanted to pay less and earn more and Tom Holland himself went to Kevin Feige. Tom Holland admits this. He had a drunk dial of Kevin Feige. And he called Kevin and was like, can't we please work this out? Can't we do something? Part of the negotiation was, yes, Sony paid less and got more. But Sony's other Spider-Verse movies are now in the MCU. There will be more crossovers. And that was agreed upon back in 2019. So could they have had another end stinger here? Maybe. But I have to say this does feel cheap because no MCU actors show up. I would have blown my pants if somebody had come on. If Tom Holland had walked in the room, I'd have freaked out. But as it is, it's like Venom turned on pay-per-view and is watching the end of No Way Home on television at a hotel. What about others, though? I mean, people had to be going crazy in the theater, right? Oh, my God, were they? They didn't suspect what I suspected. Yeah, no, it totally caught me by surprise. Like, I was excited, and I don't, again, not really looking forward to that Spider-Man movie. The crowd was very excited, and mine as well. It made me laugh, because they're all like, yes, yes, yes. I'm like, what? What are you going to get out of this? Does it mean that you don't care about this movie, and you really care about the next thing? Like, it's all just been about Spider-Man this whole time? I I do think people want that. Venom and Spider-Man to be in the same film. Like, that is an expectation of probably Arnie's, of probably anyone that's into this property. Listen, we're close to 15 years when the last time Venom and Spider-Man shared a screen. You gotta be able to do it better than that. Yeah, I feel like that was what the excitement was. And it was hard to understand, really, but... But after taking a beat, it was just that, oh, you haven't really cared about what we've been watching. Neither have I. You wanted to get to the showdown. Or are they going to team up? I'm not sure whether Venom is going to attack Tom Holland or go against the Rhino. I suspect, I'm just going to put it out there, it won't be more than a few minutes. Maybe a scene. I have no idea, but maybe it's a scene in that movie that then is going to lead to more crossovers. I don't know. The world is open. That's the thing. Is It's much like when I saw the end of Thor back in 2011, and I'm like, is Nick Fury evil? You know, is Nick Fury working with Loki because he's giving Loki the Tesseract there? What is all this going on? I'm right at that moment of, I don't know where it's going, but I'm excited to see it. But were we excited for what we saw? Jacob, Stuart, it almost seems secondary to the end stinger scene, but do you (laughs) recommend the rest of Venom Let There Be Carnage? Jacob. 
This sequel is very much in tune with the vibe of the first film. And for me, that is a benefit. I wanted something goofy and funny, even if there's a lot of dad jokes. I agree with you, Stuart. It's not the greatest humor. I'm laughing more for meta reasons, that just something this schlocky and silly and this different from what we're getting in 2021, what we've gotten the last 10 years with superhero films, that someone's going to do some weird 90s throwback film. If you like that first film because it was so offbeat, I, I think you're going to have a lot of fun with this one. If, if you're still upset with the first Venom film, because Venom can't be by himself. He has to be with Spider-Man. Like, no, you're not going to like this because, yeah, let there be carnage. No, not a whole lot of carnage. I don't want any carnage. I want more raves. I want more rom-com. I want more screwball comedy. I, I In this film... Do you want a plot? Um... No, I, I would go with all the screwball comedy <laughs> stuff. Again, a 90-minute screwball comedy, odd couple of Brock and Venom, I'd be down for that. Weekend at Bernie's, but with, with Brock and Venom, yes, give it to me. I want that. Like Here it is. Yeah, and that that is the joy for me of, of this franchise. Again, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they do what they do. They've got this great machine. They put out a very consistent standard of film. That's fine, but again, we got 20 plus of those. We're going to get like six more next year. I don't care. I want something different. I want something unique. And so I, I'm glad for this little Venom franchise. I don't want it to be Christopher Nolan. I don't want it to be the MCU. So yes, if you want quirky superheroes, that that's really B-movie schlock. Like I can't believe like th that it worked the first time and they're just going to keep going with that. But when you make almost a billion dollars, you stick with that. So yeah, I'm going to recommend this, but if you didn't like that first Venom, you're not going to like this one. Don't see it. I, I will say that because this is more of the same. It goes off the rails at times. Plot, villains, they're unnecessary. It, it's a fun, weird B-movie comedy with, with some weird sci-fi stuff. That's how I would describe this. And again, I don't think this is the greatest thing ever, mainly because Venom doesn't rap when he takes that mic. That would have made this like a very strong recommend, but it, it's still an uneven film depending on what your expectations are. But I go with it, so I, I'm, I'm going to say, yeah, if you like that first film, more of the same. It's entertaining. Recommend. Stuart. Well, let's talk a little bit about rom-coms, because we don't do that that often here at Now Playing. And I don't like them usually. <laughs> and I do. Here's the thing. I do like a certain era of the screwball romantic comedy, but you got to go back to the 1930s. You got to go to Cary Grant, Katherine Hepburn... The sophisticated witty, you know, it had all of these playwrights writing really funny dialogue and bringing up baby. It happened one night. There's just it, you can really do a lot with just couples bickering. It, it can be its own movie and its own entertainment. And if that's what they want to give Venom, if that's how they see the Jekyll and Hyde relationship, I think that works. And I realize, too, you, you, ha you have to update that. Nobody wants to watch those old black and white movies. You have to take away their champagne flutes. You have to, like, give them some high C punch or, you know, Red Bull or something. You do have to make it modern, but you want to emulate that sophistication. Carnage ain't sophisticated. No one is going to mistake this new Venom movie as, you know, as it's happily splattering you with cats up and making ice cream brain freeze jokes. Like, this is just not going to be that. This is like mannequin romantic comedy. If you remember the 80s and Kim Cattrall in the Pygmalion story where she's oh, like, yeah. nothing's going to stop them now. Window mannequin that comes to life. It's that kind of bad movie. 
So if that's your idea of a romantic comedy, if you like that kind of ironically bad 80s fish out of water romantic comedy, which isn't very romantic or funny, certainly not sophisticated, this is how it's going to play. Crocodile Dundee, Splash. It's just, it's that movie. I don't really like that movie. And so it was a real disappointment to see this movie not live up to its romantic comedy potential. And I also think just the reason why I can't give this a recommend is Carnage. He's just, Woody Harrelson is not any good in this movie, and neither is Shriek or whatever Naomi Harris is. Like, I get that you wanted to have a contrasting bad couple for your lovable twosome of Venom and Eddie, but it ain't Woody and Naomi. They don't have chemistry together, and they don't light up the screen. So I should be liking this. Believe it or not, you're doing what I want and could enjoy, but it's just got no sophistication. It's got no taste, no creativity. It's just too made for wee ones that just are easily impressed. And so... I, again, if you could get the writing level up to where I need it to be, this would be a recommend. But I've got to say this, no, not recommend. I guess I'm an easily entertained Wii One because I had fun at Venom 2 despite the fact of being stuck in an it just permanent sense of disappointment the first time I watched this. Another reason I had to go back to see this a second time is the first time I watched it, I'm like... This is not what I ordered. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I felt the trailers promised me in a movie called Let There Be Carnage. Right. Where was the where was that? Yes. I'd seen the trailers, I'd seen Carnage and the redesign to make him look more like Venom to fit this movie universe. And you had Woody Harrelson, an actor I really like and who I loved as Mickey. You had a Serial killing duo, supposedly. I never saw Naomi Harris serial kill, but there was so much this movie promised that I wanted. And the first time I saw this movie, I'm constantly like, why are you doing Carnage bad like this? Not that the movie is bad, but this isn't Carnage. And why are you biting his head off and making it so that I can never have Carnage again? This is my only shot at Carnage, and this is what you've done with him? And why am I spending so much time with Venom at a rave? Okay, because it's fun. But I wanted more Carnage. I wanted more fights. I wanted at least two fights between the hero and the superhero. Now, yes, it's cliche to have every superhero movie follow the Rocky formula where you lose the fight in the middle to come back and win the fight at the end. Not counting Rocky 1. But... That's how most superhero movies go, is you encounter your villain in the middle, and you have a setback because of that, you're not able to take them on, the villain seems unstoppable, and then that would help make sense if at the end Venom's like, time to die, no, we are going to die, if they had already lost a fight to Carnage in the middle. I'm not saying I want cliché, but I'd rather have had cliché for this than so little. This movie felt really slight to me for somebody who was coming in. I was as excited for Carnage in this film as I was for Venom when I first saw Spider-Man 3, and we all know how that went. Ooh. <laughs> so, so same results, right? And when I left, Marjorie's like, you're going to shit on this movie the whole podcast then recommend it, aren't you? Because I'm talking about how this movie... Yes, Marjorie, he is. (laughs) Because when I walked out of there, all I could talk about were the things it 
didn't give me. But then I had to reset and say, I'm not ranking a film based upon what I want it to be. I'm going to rank a film based upon what it is. And is it good even if it wasn't what I wanted? So I went back and I watched it again. And this time, expectations reset. And it's okay. And I agree with Jacob. If you don't like the first one, stay the hell away from this one. If you think, well, that first one wasn't very good, but this one has carnage. Well, yes, it does. (laughs) But it's still going to be about the same as that first film. The jokes come at the expense of the Spider-Man villain. You actually, yeah, he becomes a punchline. I wish he was even more of a punchline. He becomes secondary. He becomes obligatory. Mm, Good word. Like they felt like we had to have a villain in here when what we really wanted was the rom-com with the symbiote. We wanted more Venom singing, let's call the whole thing off. And maybe if there hadn't been carnage, Jacob, Venom would have rapped. Oh, five-star film. Academy Award nomination. (laughs) But I like that first Venom film. I do watch it fairly regularly. I put it under guilty pleasure, but there's definitely pleasure there. And this one is indeed more of the same. It's I, I consider it neither better nor worse in the end. I feel like the villain in that one was pretty bad. This one at least didn't have the weird Jenny Slate subplot and things. I felt like this actually had a more well-defined villain than Raz Ahmed in the last one. So, I can give this one, yeah, a weakish recommend. It's not great. It's not the film I wanted it to be. But it's diverting, and I laughed out loud many times on both watchings. And it's a fun comedy. I have no idea how this tone is going to fit with the MCU. And is that going to be the end? Is this the last solo Venom movie, and then the finale is what we're getting in December? Well, Hardy signed on for two sequels. I don't know if No Way Home counts as a sequel. And this movie is estimated, as of now, to make between 72 and 80 million opening weekend. It is not the last Solo Venom movie. In a pandemic with 80 million opening weekend, come on Venom 3, I don't think they're going to hold off much time to greenlight it. It might even be greenlit by the time this podcast comes out. Mm, That's disappointing. Again, it's not even that this is so bad. It's just so frustrating, so annoying. This movie is so annoying because it can't get to where it needs to. And nobody asks for more. They're fine with it being trashy. I know that there are many activist shareholders at Sony that want them out of the movie business because they can say, we're producing X thousand DVD players next year and know how much money they're making, but the movie business is volatile and they can make or lose hundreds of millions of dollars in a blink. If I had my druthers... Sony would sell all of its characters back to Marvel, and then those activist shareholders can get their way, and Sony would be out of movie making, sell Ghostbusters over to Warner, do whatever you need to do. Wow. You you want the death of Sony. Okay, I wasn't expecting this. Yeah, this sounds very <laughs> responsible, which is mediocrity. Like, I, I don't want Venom in, as an MCU film, just another bland superhero film. I want Venom done by the people who love Venom comics okay. and the people who know Venom comics. And so I want the MCU to do it right because I've never, with the possible exception of Sam Raimi's Spider-Man, I've never seen a Marvel character done better than when it's done by Marvel. But especially for Carnage. I've come to around to this version of Venom. I enjoy Cookie Monster Venom. You want R-rated violence. To put it succinctly, whatever they do, it would be great if it were real bloody. Not necessarily, 
I've never seen an R-rated MCU film. I'm still game for that. I, I want Carnage to be a serial killer. I don't need the close-up of his axe hand slitting open someone's stomach and their intestines flowing out. I don't need it to be a horror movie full of gore. I just want him to be dangerous, maniacal, and murderous. I want him to feel dangerous. Does Carnage feel dangerous in this film to you? He doesn't to me. When you said Joker, I, it blew my mind. I was like, nothing I saw on screen other than the red <laughs> hair made me think Joker. Well, he, yeah, he's much more over the top in the comics. And this Friday, we're going to have another one because even though Patrick Bateman was Christian Bale last week on our main feed, this Friday we got a free show for you guys in which, believe it or not, Mila Kunis is going to step into the role of the psychotic yuppie in American Psycho 2, All-American All American Girl. Girl. <laughs> yeah, that is a bonus free show. So thank you for listening. Thank you for your support of Now Playing because when with great podcasts comes great responsibility. my fault. I drove Spider-Man away. Spider-Man was a hero. I just couldn't see it. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now playing Spider-Man retrospective series. It's good to have you back, Spider-Man. Part of our Marvel Comics movie retrospective series. It's hip, it's now, it's wild, and how? Crawl on the World Wide Web to NowPlayingPodcast.com. In the archives section, you'll find more than 1,000 in-depth movie reviews from our panel of hosts. What are you waiting for? Chinese New Year? Go, go, go! We also have non-comic-based movie reviews, such as Star Trek, Rocky, Star Wars, James Bond, Middle Earth, Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, and many more. There are bigger things happening here than me and you. Plus, we have individual movie reviews, such as Avatar, Titanic, E.T., Inception, Pulp Fiction, Apocalypse Now, Dr. Strangelove, and hundreds more. I'm so loving this. Oh, me too. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com next Tuesday for another all-new movie review podcast. It came. Looks like just in the nick of time. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. I'm going. I'll be here when you get back. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Everybody needs help sometimes, Peter. Even Spider-Man. Now Playing is an independent podcast, 100% crowdfunded, thanks to listeners like you. Meat. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. Best I can do. Get out of here. Become a Now Playing patron and you can get access to dozens of exclusive bonus podcasts. For a $10 monthly pledge, you can hear our host review Apocalypse Now, Real Genius, Taxi Driver, Con Air, and dozens more. You have money, right? I'm not very liquid right now. You can subscribe to get these bonus podcasts through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. It's not always about the money, Spider-Man. Now Playing's Spider-Man Retrospective Series is produced and edited by Arnie Carvalho. Misery, 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 that's what you've chosen. Associate produced by Jason Latham. No, I'm going to do my job, that's what I'm going to do. 
I, I can't, you know, and not do my job. Now playing credit narration by Brock. He's got a nice voice. Now playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Columbia Pictures. Spider-Man and all that the Marvel Universe contains is the property and trademark of the Disney Company, and no infringement is intended. And I've never even seen his face. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. I missed the part where that's my problem. Now Playing is a Venganza Media production, copyright 2021. And no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Venganza Media Incorporated. All rights reserved. What are you, his lawyer? Get out of here. Let him sue me. Get rich like a normal person. Enough said. To me, it gets more confusing when Brock shows up. Eddie Brock, not our co-host Brock. Although that would be even more confusing still. He shows up, I think, <laughs> next week. <laughs> It's fried chicken and chocolate, but I like fried chicken and chocolate. Not together. No, not together and not all the time, but like once every three years, great. Although they might be good on waffles together. I have actually been in LA. There was very briefly a chocolate fried chicken restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, there's lots of chicken and waffle places, but ooh, I didn't know about that. No, yeah, they, they put cocoa powder in the batter. It was a thing. Just imagine if you use chocolate syrup instead of maple syrup. That might work on waffles. Nope. Nope. Don't want that. (laughs) 